Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. Thrilled to have in my presence today one of my heroes, Brad Barton. Hey, Paul. Welcome back. Good to be back. So you're a returning guest to the show. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. More than that. Maybe more than a couple. As I recall, our sons were juniors in high school together last time I did this. The last time we did it. And now they're adults off doing their thing. Yeah, and Jacob's a junior in college now. Yeah. Is that amazing? And Adam's right there, too. Yeah. When we talked before, I believe the topic was Beyond Illusions. Mm. You wrote a book by that title. I did. And that book has made a profound difference in my life. Thank you. It's it's spot on, Brad. Hmm. I use that constantly with my with my clients. Um, I recommend it. And folks, if you haven't read Beyond Illusions by Brad Barton, you need to get that on your reading list. You can w- pick www.morebetterbooks.com. And everyone who listens to Live on Purpose Radio knows about morebetterbooks.com because at halftime, Kirk Weasler comes on and pitches it. Woohoo! Every single time. All right. I love morebetterbooks.com. I think there's another book going to show up there pretty soon. Yes, there is. One by Dr. Paul Jenkins. Anyway, that's coming later. That's exciting. So, Brad, you've inspired me again. You just keep doing this. <laughs> you didn't even do it on purpose, huh? No, I was on purpose about this one. You were on purpose about this <laughs> one, and you have a story to share, and one of the places you're going to share that is on my show today, because this is something that I think will assist people to do what we're all about here, and that's to live on purpose. And your listeners are hearing it raw, because I've, as a professional speaker, we tell stories. Right. And um, you know, we try and craft these stories so that everything is well-placed. And so you tell them again and again and mm-hmm. get really good at telling this. Well, I've used this story twice so far in my speaking profession. Okay. So this is number three. So this is part of the refining process for the story. We get it raw. Strap your seatbelt, seatbelts on. Let's go have some fun. Buckle up, folks. Here it comes. And this has to do with a world record. Yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Ah, I better <laughs> let you start the story then. So Go ahead. Where does this start? It starts back in high school, actually. I was a, a runner, uh, grew up on a cattle ranch in Salmon, Idaho, and just did not like the ranch life. And Dad told me if I didn't go to college that I would uh, you know, have to do this. Inherit the ranch. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what? I moved enough sprinkler in high school to know that I wanted to be a shrink. <laughs> Same kind of a situation. Yeah. So I ran really hard and, and uh, earned a scholarship to Weber State University. Down in Ogden, Utah. Ah, Weber, huh? Yeah, Weber. That's right. That's what out-of-staters call it anyway. Right. So I'm a, I'm a Weber, and um, my coach, Chick Hislop, not an ordinary man. This guy, uh, uh, well, if you're a track and field connoisseur, if you know track and field, mm-hmm. that you would probably recognize the name mm. um, because he is, uh, in fact, at a, at a 
you know, getting again ahead of ourselves, but at a, at a track meet, I've got athletes coming up to me when they realize who's with me mm-hmm. and saying, do you think your coach would, would let me uh, ask for his autograph? Oh, wow. He's the, he was the head Olympic distance coach for the Atlanta Games in 1996. And, uh-huh. um, and also a, a USA track and field hall of famer. This guy has changed the this, this sport of, of track and field. Well, I didn't know that then. He was just my coach, my college coach. Well, yeah. I had some, some great experience in college and was all American and, and really had some neat experience. I really had, I had a chance mm-hmm. to make the Olympic team and, and didn't, didn't, didn't do it, but, mm-hmm. um, got a chance to see other parts of the world and it was really a neat experience. Well, Very cool. I, I married, uh, a, tra- a teammate. Uh, she was a 10,000 meter runner, Olympic trials qualifier oh, in the cool. marathon. We figured we'd get together, me, a miler and a steeplechaser, 3,000 meter steeplechaser. Uh huh. And her, a, a 10,000 meter runner and a, a marathoner. You can raise some fast kids. We could have some hybrids. And you did. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. And so that's what I did for the next 20 years is uh, kind of, you know, just raising a family and, and building a speaking career. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, my son, uh, Jacob called me an old man one time. Ooh. I didn't like the sound of that. And <sighs> I looked at him just off the cuff and I says, you beat me straight up in a mile run and you can call me an old man. And he just turned in disgust and said, shoot and walked away. Well, he was a sophomore in high school. He got faster and faster and faster. And I a seem senior. to remember him at the top of the podium. Yeah. He's that senior so, year. so good. He finally turned to me and said, dad, put up or shut up. Right. Right. Cause it had to be legit. Me fit. So. Anyway, um, I decided I was going to run the coach's mile at, uh, at um, the Simplot Games in Pocatello. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. this large track meet, and um, they have a coach's mile. Well, I got myself fit for about four weeks, and just before I stepped on the line, I, I ripped my quad. Oh! So that was that. Well, mid-December, late December, the following year, I remembered... February, there's Coach's Mile. So I got mm-hmm. fit and ended up getting on the starting line. I wondered if I could break five minutes in, in a mile. For your listeners that don't know about track and field, most high school kids don't run five minutes in a mile. Okay, the good right. ones do. Uh, but, but to break five minutes as a 44-year-old, that would You're be a, an accomplishment. Yeah. I, I ran 4.32 in the mile. Wow. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. And then I, was really and then cool. I ripped my quad. About a week and a half again. later. Well, the next December, uh, I started training again. I'm going to see if I can break that. That, And I went and, and trained a little longer and ran 431. And I was really excited. I called my coach, my old retired coach. And I said, Coach, uh, um, I, I ran 431. He said, that, what's the world record in your age group? And uh, the, the world record is 420.19. No one on the planet has ever run indoors faster than four minutes, 20 seconds. As uh, an old man. At, at, from the 45 <laughs> to 49-year-old, old, old guys, right? I'm with you, Brad. I'm right there in the same category. Exactly. Well, I told him, I says, it's 420, coach, and he has a long pause. He says, I think we both ought to come out of retirement. So the, the mission, uh, the, the, the vision was set. Okay, we're going to go do something impossible. Mm. And I think that's an important thing. That's kind of what this, this is all about is, is yeah. what if you woke up in the morning and you were anxiously engaged in something that was impossible to do? Right. What kind of energy would that bring to your life if you had some aspect of your life, you were trying to do something impossible? Well, that really captured my imagination. When he said that, I thought, uh, you know, this could, this could really uh, be something that could be a driving force for me. And I look, I look back on my college days, and I'm thinking, 
when I was running well, mm-hmm. everything else was firing as on all cylinders as well. When I was running well, I the was rest a of your good life. student. I was spiritually on the grow. You know, relationships. Uh, yeah, I was just. It created a slipstream in my life because I was pursuing excellence in some in some avenue. Yeah. It created a slipstream in my life that drew everything along with it, and I I I actually kind of I missed it. I yeah. really missed that. So I, when I was running competitively again, it felt like I was finally growing again. Right. And the title of the book we're working on is called "Getting Back to Getting Better" or "Getting Better at Getting Better." Mm-hmm. And um, and I've you know I, I I've grown in, in some areas of my life, but never. For years, that I tried something truly impossible, and it, it really captured my imagination. So that was the vision. Do something impossible. The mission mm-hmm. then becomes break a world record. Do something that's never been done before. That'd be impossible, right? Mm. By very definition. The, the, the strategy for the mission is train like a high school kid. Like most high school kids do. Mm-hmm. Very little base because my knees can't handle it. I have a meniscus in my left knee. Mm-hmm. Um, low mileage, really intense intervals. Try and get the biggest bang for our buck. And then the mm-hmm. tactics are, are fleeting. That's something that we, we per, per race or per workout. Mm-hmm. So we have those four elements where we've got a vi- clear vision. Mm-hmm. We've got a clear mission. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a winning strategy and also tactics that we're going to develop along the way. Very right. specific details. And um, so he and I started working together again. And long story short, I ran 426. And then I ran 423, uh, 423 oh. which is the fastest, uh, the fastest mile run in the world last year in my age group. And then I ran the, the fastest 3,000 meters that's been run by an American in the last almost 20 years. And then I broke uh-huh. my foot. Oh, broke my foot! And just as you were getting a glimpse oh, of this thing, I was getting so I was getting so you can excited. See it out. The impossible just means it's a little farther, right? <laughs> so that it was very discouraging, but the vision was clear, and, and the mission was set. Well, it took a lot longer to heal than the four, th- th- uh, three to four weeks that the doctor had promised me. It was almost three months to get my foot clear so I could run again. Wow. But but I started to run with a vengeance and with clear focus, and uh, we had done some pretty horrendous things, and the training is just hellacious for a 46-year-old at that point. I was 46, mm-hmm. and trying to do some things that, well, 46-year-olds just aren't supposed to do. We're not... Forty-six-year-olds try things like that we were trying, and stuff starts falling off. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like the other years, right? Broken yeah, this and pulled back that. on. And so yeah. um, uh, we started in in January at the at the at a collegiate race. We ran four twenty-six, and I say we because Coach Hislop and I are the team. Right. Um, a week later, we went to uh, Boise and ran four twenty-one point five nine. So I was exactly one and a half seconds short uh, of the world record. Wow. And uh, oh, I was so excited. I called coach afterwards, and there was a point in the race with, with uh, 600 meters to go. I thought, I can, I can do it today. We weren't going to Boise to break the world record. We were going as a step yeah, to do it's this. part of your training. But with 600 meters to go, I thought, I can, I can do it today. But wow. I didn't have the confidence because I wasn't sure if I could, I, could make, I could make it to the finish line at that pace. So I, I ran a little more conservative, and uh, afterwards I was devastated. Because I, I thought I'd broken mm. my foot again. Oh wow! And and all the way home, I kept thinking, why did I not try for this? You know, this is it. My foot, this was my chance. This was my chance. I ha- how did I know I was going to break my foot in the race? And I, MRI came back clear. 
I was so excited. We got in the pool mm-hmm. and worked really hard in the pool. Tactically made an error. Actually ran too hard. Mm. And maybe that's, there's a metaphor there, you know, where running faster than, yeah, you, than, you, than you have strength and, uh, and just doing too much. We were doing mm-hmm. two hard workouts a week, and I, I convinced Coach, I can handle three. We're not doing the pounding. I'll do three in the pool. be fine. And it was an error. Coach uh, let me talk him into something I wasn't ready for. And I came mm. out of the pool completely flat. Um, I went to uh, Cornell, uh, Ithaca, New York, to, to make my first attempt at, mm-hmm. the, at the world record. And, um, and I, uh, I fell. Um, the, at the end of the... You, you physically, literally fell. So, so there's 18 guys in this race. And I'm, right. I'm beating these college kids, right? Um, I spent the first lap in lane three... You can't break a world record in lane three. And so mm. at the end of the first lap, I looked to my left inside, and I saw a gap. And instead of looking all the way around and seeing how big the gap was, I just dove for the gap. And I clip, it was my fault. I clipped the runner behind me, and he clipped my, my feet, and I went, boom, really hard. Right down. Down on my shoulder on the ra- inside rail. And I, I, I wore the, the, the marks of that rail on my shoulder for, for mm. over, over a month. Jumped back up and tried, you know, finished the race, but was way short of my goal mm-hmm. and was very discouraged. Uh, there was an a, a important indoor race, the most important indoor race in the world uh, in Boston a couple of weeks later. At the, um, at, it was the indoor, New Balance indoor, indoor Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. A lot of Olympians, over a dozen Olympians in this, Olympic medalists actually in this race, in this uh, meet. Mm-hmm. They open it with the Masters Mile. So the fastest over 40-year-olders in the, in the country are invited to run in this thing. I'm in the next age group up. I shouldn't be running with all the younger guys. And uh, I was sick um, uh-huh. and discouraged. My legs were flat. And I, I went out, and they let me lead it from the gun to the finish. So um, really wow. tough, really tough. But, but I, well, I didn't break the world record. But at least I'm starting to feel a little more excited. You're going to finish this for us in just a few minutes. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R. 
drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com Success in any endeavor does not happen by accident. Rather, it's the result of deliberate decisions, conscious effort, and immense persistence, all directed at specific goals. Gary Ryan Blair Okay, Brad, I almost skipped the whole commercial thing because you've brought us right to the climax of this story. At least I feel like something else has got to happen because you don't get that close without something amazing starting to happen. What? Well, what let, let's remember what I've done here. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I'm, do, I'm working inside of, my, uh, of what I'm good at. I have some aptitude for running, for distance running, yeah. for miling. And... Um, and it's been 20 years, but I've, I've reignited this. Uh, but you've been involved in other ways. You're uh, coaching the boys at the high school, for example. And I see you at track meets. And this is one of the ways that we got associated at first. Yeah, that's this through I, our boys probably we, we met the first. Our boys were friends and nemesis. And, so, and, uh, but but the, yeah. the fact that, that, you know, trying anything impossible, probably not. Because you got to have some aptitude for it as well. Well, let's take this word impossible for just a minute, too, because it's such a misunderstood word. And we call things impossible that are hard mm. or that are a challenge or that stretch us or that haven't been done before. And, and so it's a bit of a, mis- a misnomer. Impossible, really? You don't set an impossible goal and and just go after it. You've got to believe at some level, no, this one is possible. And and the reason you had that belief is because of your aptitude, your skill, your experience. And you looked at this goal, and it wasn't impossible in the traditional sense of the word. It was impossible in the sense of a courageous truth, hmm. something that is accessible to you because of your unique skills and abilities. There is a movie, um, and I've never even seen the movie, but I love the line from this movie. I think it's called We Bought a, a Zoo. We Bought a Zoo. I just watched like it that. two nights ago. Okay. All right. You have to <laughs> let me know if it's worth seeing. But, but there's a line in the movie that I'm aware of uh-huh. that where the, one of the main characters says, 20 seconds of insane courage, courage will change your life or could, could change your life. Yeah. And uh, the first time I... I uh, when after I ran four twenty four thirty one that day, mm-hmm. I went home and I googled it. I said, well, "I wonder how fast these, someone my age has ever run this thing." And mm-hmm. I saw the the, the four twenty point one nine, and I had twenty seconds of I could do that, I could yeah. do that. It was insane. That's Courage, less than right? twenty seconds. 
why why not exactly why right. not why not do try something that's never been done before but but understand what happened though i tried and i failed mm-hmm. i tried again the next year and i failed i tried again the next year and i failed now by failed you mean broken ripped my a major muscle in my leg you injured did not accomplish the stated objective that's what you mean seems like all that hard work was for naught because that word failed is a tricky one too, isn't it? It, it is. And I'm using it on, pur- okay. on purpose. Yes, you are. Doc, because um, that's the, the way that, that it e- is easy to, to, to go to. When I ripped my right. quad, I remember thinking, I failed. Right? The next year, I ripped my I failed. I broke my foot. I failed, right? right. Or really, were these just stepping stones along the way? Interesting. I, I got sick. That you know, that, and then I I I fell I fell on, on the rail and hurt myself really badly. I went mm-hmm. back home and I was so discouraged. My my legs were empty. I did a really hard workout and I just wasn't there. We had to quit the workout halfway through. Coach just says you're done, and I walk away. You know, with the head, mm-hmm. the head held low. Then three days later, we came back and tried another hard workout and there was nothing there. And the legs were empty. The next week I came in, there was, my legs were empty again. I got one last workout before I'm going to go to New York for the final attempt at the world record. This mm-hmm. is probably the last time in my life I'll ever have a chance to do this. Hmm. And that workout wasn't so bad. I remember thinking, hmm. dang, I, got, I was four 800 meter, or, uh, eight 400 meter repeats mm-hmm. at, at 64 second pace with 90 seconds rest. Oh, right? Wow. Very specific. And I was able to do it. It didn't feel great, not like it was in the early in the season. Mm-hmm. But I remember walking away from that thinking, oh, I wish it was one way or the other. It was a great workout. I'm there. It was a terrible workout. Then, then I'm done. I'm not right. going to try. But it was just so-so. It was my wife and my coach that says, you ought to go. You ought to go try this. So I got on, on the plane and I flew to New York. Um, mm-hmm. a, a place called the Armory. It's the most famous indoor track in the world. And, um, and I stepped on a starting line with a bunch of college kids and, uh, I dared to do something great. Yeah. So, uh, what, what basically the, the, the short version of the story, I started, I was running 65 second quarters. I came through the half mile mark and I was a good 20 meters behind in last I've place. I've seen the video. There, the guys uh-huh. were way out on me. Well, what had happened, I wasn't behind. They were just too far ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, there's several people in the young college kids in this race. I was right where coach and I had placed me. I was supposed to go a negative split the race. In other words, run the first rate, half of the race um, at, at 210 and then the second half mile in, in 208. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm negative splitting this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I came through exactly at 210. And I remember just smiling in my mind thinking I'm right where I wanted You're to right be. You're right on pace. And then I started catching these guys. Within a, within a lap, I had caught up with the group. Within, within another lap, with 400 meters to go, I had pulled into third place. Mm-hmm. And this is on flow track. There's a, uh, the folks up in the booth. Are, yeah. This is a very important race. People are like, the look announcers. at Barton, the Masters guys. He's looking good. Yeah. And, and they're getting excited. The announcer is getting the crowd into this. Yeah. And I'm excited. I came through with 200 meters to go, and I knew that I had this record just because I knew where my splits were. Right. And then I got excited and um, came, came across the finish line 
with, uh, and I knew I'd done it, but I wasn't sure. And I'm standing there looking, hands on knees, death grip. I ended up running, uh, I ran, ended up running 416.83. And 416. So you demolished it. I demolished this record. Yeah. And I was talking to my coach afterwards. Now understand, vision clear, mission set, strategy, good strategy, and then tactics that day were perfect. And I mm-hmm. said, but coach, we haven't trained at anything faster than a 64-second quarter. I finished my last quarter and ran 62. Mm-hmm. It's the first time in 20 years I'd ever run that fast. In the last quarter of a race, Paul, think of this. That's pretty good for a 400. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I said, coach, I turned to my coach, we're watching it. I says, how did I do that? And he looks at me and he says, well, you got excited. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's maybe a principle of success as well. It's all about psychology. You, you do the right kinds of things. And then the last element is get excited. Get a fire in your belly. Yeah. And the impossible. We did it. Yeah. We did it. And, it. and it wasn't about what I had done. People say, you broke the world. No, I didn't. Mm. Coach Hislop, Coach Chick Hislop and I broke this world record with a lot of uh, help from, from Get Air Sports, my corporate sponsor, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of gr- huge assistance from my family. Mm-hmm. And they were sacrificed my kids a lot of time away from dad right. to train for this. Right. And every time I hear you talk about it, you use the word we, which... I think is is a powerful lesson as well. So these impossible goals, these impossible dreams that you have, if you're listening to this show, what are yours? And who's your team? Who are your coaches? What What is your equivalent of pulling your quad muscle? What is your equivalent of breaking your breaking foot? Breaking your foot. What about a tactical error in your business? Um, may, maybe just some... Um, poorly considered move to the inside lane that puts your shoulder on the rail running at a, a 420 mile pace and you end mm-hmm. up jumping up bruised and you wake up the next morning listeners have you ever felt like you were hit spiritually by a Mack truck oh yeah <laughs> and, and and so what did it take to get to get back up and finish that race at Cornell um, that's a, a question that, that I've asked myself a lot mm-hmm um, I had a, a the I believe it was the the Brown, the Brown coach, university Brown mm-hmm. Brown University coach came up with tears after that race, and he said, "I wish all of my my track athletes had seen you finish that race." Um, mm. And I don't know what I didn't think about it. I, I was there to win a race, right. set a world record. You're doing your thing, and I and I was horribly slower than that. I ran 4:28 that day. Still beat most of the college kids, horribly by the way. slower. Yeah, but but uh, but but I, I got up and I finished the race. So what is that your equivalent? Yeah. And what you you really need to figure out what your vision is in your life, and mm-hmm. and the, and the, the supporting the mission, and those are the things that get you on the plane to go to go when when everything is telling you 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 can't do it. In the last how many years have I failed? Yeah, yeah, that's and right. that just becomes part of your story. And then another aspect of this, another uh, wrinkle, would be um, you gotta when you have some some lofty goal, and I'm I'm encouraging your listeners, go tr- set your goals higher, go try something really hard. It's, there's life in that. Mm-hmm. There is life in that. 
So when you do, when you do that, you got to have a next goal in front of you. So when I got back from, from New York, it was exciting, but we didn't let ourselves sit, sit down and rest in the laurels. Mm-hmm. We decided we're going to go win two indoor championships, and we did. The next goal was to, to set our sights on the steeplechase and break an American record, which we did. The mm-hmm. next goal was to, to, to set the world record, which we didn't. I missed by 1.5 seconds in <laughs> oh, Seattle. Man, you failed. Broke my own, my own American record and the over, fastest uh, steeplechase run by an American over 40 in history. Yeah. Right? But I failed, I failed to get the, jo- the, the, the big job, and, and that world record is, is still not mine uh-huh. um, in the steeplechase. So the next goal was to go to, to um, uh, Europe and go win a couple of world championships, which, which I did in the steeple and in the 1,500 meters. Yeah. So anyway, that set, keep your goals in front of you. I, I wanted to, to give you a bit from, uh, I saw it this morning on, on uh, National Public Radio, mm-hmm. and uh, this, is just, this is just gold. It was, I was listening to this, uh, uh, to this uh, interview. They were interviewing Stephen King this morning. Okay. And, um, oh, you got it. You gotta. If he sounds choppy, folks, it's because he's thumbing through his iPhone. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Here we go. trying to multitask, and he's male. L- listen to okay, this, go. guys. And it perfectly illustrates what we're talking about. On his prolific writing and production in writing, Stephen King says, There are plenty of people who have got lots of talent. This world is lousy with talent. The mm-hmm. idea is to work with that talent and try to get the, to be the best person that you can given the limits of talent that God gave you or fate or genetics or whatever you, name you want to put on it he says mm-hmm. and then the gym he says a lot of people have suggested that the stuff I do may be second class because there's so much of it my response is this I'm going to quit and be dead for a long time <laughs> this is the time I've got and I want to use it to the max I really want to try to try and mine everything that I've got. Wow. Stephen King. Stephen King. On passion. Yeah. I'm going to quit and be dead for a long time. This is the time. Yeah. This is it right here. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. That is so cool. Let's go live on purpose and do something that is uh that is not only hard, but bordering on insane. Because <laughs> mm. that, that's what's going to keep us awake at night and excited to get up in the morning. And if it sounds or looks impossible... You might be on the right track. We might be on the right track. Thank you for having the courage to do the impossible, Brad. That makes a difference. So, you want to find this man? bradbartonspeaks.com or just call me. I've got his cell phone number. (laughs) I'm glad you're in my human treasury, Brad. I love that term. Thank you so much for letting me be there. Hey, we have a lot of fun living on purpose, don't we? That's right. Everybody go out there and do the same. Take this information and live on purpose.